Uh, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, again, as we open up your word, we ask through the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what is revealed there so that we may properly believe, confess, and do that. Teach us to want to uh, not listen to the false voices out there claiming to be bringing your voice to us, but who aren't. And we ask, Lord, that we would be attentive to your word and through your the, through the Holy Spirit, repent of our sins, our different ways in which we believe wrongly, and then through the power of the Spirit, bear fruit in keeping with repentance in the daily mortification of our sinful flesh. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we are... You, 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 did, have you noticed I've been on my soapbox a little bit lately during the Sunday school classes? I just, you know, <laughs> Luis, I don't believe what you just... He said no. <laughs> and you, 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 you said, even your body language says that you were not telling the truth by saying no. I'm just saying. <laughs> so all of that being said... Um, we're gonna we're gonna back up just a little bit because we didn't really get too far into uh, Ezekiel 13 last week uh, because I went on a bunny trail showing from other passages of scripture that uh, the, the, that the true test of a prophet uh, that this still applies uh, today from Deuteronomy 18 as well as Deuteronomy 13. If if somebody's theology doesn't line up with scripture, uh, then they're they're not a true prophet. If somebody's uh, if somebody gives a predictive prophecy and it doesn't compare come to pass, that's a word that God hasn't spoken. And so that being the case, you'll note that we have a lot of people today within the charismatic movement who are teaching that God allows for fallible prophets, and they twist God's word in order to, to make it appear that the standard operating procedure from, for, for prophets is that it's, it, the word is fuzzy, they sometimes get it wrong, they sometimes interpret the word incorrectly, and, and bizarre things like this. And all of this to justify the wingnut wackerdoodle prophecies that they give that we cover on on uh, on fighting for the faith and prophecy bingo. And then you'll note this last week we released a video where we le- legitimately gave an audit, a full on audit of of the 2023 prophecies. And these weren't these weren't from you know the the you know the kind of fly by night who set up their, their own prophecy shop on YouTube kind of people. These were the ones that were put forward by Charisma Magazine as the prophecies that were supposed to, the people were supposed to be listening to. And that, that video had more than 100,000 views. I think it's like somewhere in the, t- the neighborhood of 144, 145,000 views. And, and, and it's just absolutely terrifying when you think about it, because in testing each of those prophecies, those guys said nothing. They legitimately said nothing. And it's these one size fits all prophecies. And one of them notably got it wrong. Uh, did, did any of you guys experience the great wealth transfer in the year 2023? And I'm not talking about money to the government or money to the oil companies because the gas prices are higher. I'm talking about what they call the, uh, you know, the, uh, the where pagans show up at your door and then hand their 401k over to you and say, I don't know why I'm giving you this, but here's all my wealth. You know, that that's it's just crazy stuff. So coming back then to Ezekiel 13, the word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts. And that's legitimately what's happening today. All of these false prophets today, they are not prophesying from God. This, the words that they are given are not from God at all. And it, it's demonstrable that that's the case. So the only other option is they're prophesying from their own hearts or they are um, they are prophesying via demonic spirits. Those are your only other options left. Or the person's mentally ill. 
Um, you know, I, I hate to say this, but um, over the course of time that I've been doing fighting for the faith, we've run into a few people that were n- n- considered to be notable prophets who at, at the end of the day were uh, like certifiably mentally ill. Okay. Um, I think of one particular woman uh, from Australia. Um, and th- this woman uh, had the platform at Catherine Rinala's church. And she would say things like that. Uh, one time she was, uh, she was uh, at a conference and she was speaking and she was translated in the spirit to Nova Scotia. Okay, and so one minute she was in Australia, the next minute she was in Nova Scotia, and she was on a cliff in Nova Scotia, and there was a fellow that was uh, thinking about driving his vehicle over the cliff in Nova Scotia, and and she preached the gospel to him and brought him to saving faith in Christ, and then whoosh, she got whisked away back to Australia. I mean, just bonkers stuff like this, and it turns out that uh, you know that um, she legitimately was diagnosed with a mental illness. Uh, she, you know, and and she had spent some time in in psych wards and things like this, and so I ended up having, you know, reaching out to Catherine Renala with this information and with the fact that other people were exposing her. And had a private meeting with Catherine Rinaldi to kind of walk this walk through and say, this woman's not hearing from God. She needs help. And uh, and this woman got sat down. She got, uh, you know, and, and she didn't like being sat down. And it ended up with Rinaldi ending their, their, their prophetic relationship. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, this, this is the kind of stuff that we run into. But the, the one thing I have yet to run into is somebody who's prophesied from actually hearing the voice of God. I haven't seen any prophets today who do that, not a one. And I've been looking for decades. Okay, so um, so God says, uh, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of Yahweh. So th- th- there's an irony going on here, and that is, is that they claim that they're hearing the direct voice of God, but they're going to hear the voice of God not directly. They're going to hear it through his real prophet, Ezekiel. So hear the word of Yahweh. <laughs> Thus says the Lord Yahweh, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle in the day of Yahweh. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares Yahweh when Yahweh has not sent them, and yet they expect Yahweh to fulfill their words. Okay, I decree and declare by the power of the Lord and from the office of the prophet that I th- this year is going to be a year of suddenlys. Ah, you know. You know, this is nonsense, right? Okay. Have you not seen a false vision? And have you not uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said, when, whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh. Have you ever seen like a comedy or a movie where uh, there's a, a particular scene where somebody is trash talking somebody behind their back with the assumption that they're not there when the whole time they're standing right behind them? 
<laughs> yeah, just this is kind of the picture that's going on here, you know, and and that is is that there is a God in heaven, and He fills the earth. There is not a place that you can go to hide yourself from God. So when you stand up and say, "Thus saith Yahweh," Yahweh is standing right behind that person, going, "Did I really say that now?" Okay, and uh, and they're going to at one point in their life, either upon their death or the return of Christ. They're going to come to realize that God was standing there behind them the entire time. And uh, and he doesn't take kindly to when people take his name and drag it to vanity. You shall not take God's name. You should not carry it to vanity, to false prophecies, to worthlessness. That's kind of how that sentence works in the Hebrew. We talked about that last week. Hang on a second here. I poured myself a little bit more coffee and some of it ended up on my desk because I'm a man. Okay. (laughs) Women are the ones who have the good graces when it comes to things like this. Men, you know, I prefer truck stop coffee and things like that. And so, you know, I, me, I have a, clearly have a drinking problem because I can't pour a drink properly. Okay. All right. So we continue verse eight. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, because you have uttered falsehood and you have seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord Yahweh. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions, who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. Consider this in an eschatological way, okay? You're going to note that what God is saying here, these false prophets, they will not be saved. That's what he's saying. Uh, They will, will not be in the council of my people, nor enrolled in the register of the house of Israel. You and I are enrolled in the register of the house of Israel by by grace through faith. Even though we are Gentiles, we've been grafted into Israel. So, and then, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. This is not talking about the postage stamp piece of property out there in the Middle East. This is talking about the 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 real land of Israel, the the the, the promised land that Abraham was looking for, the heavenly one, right? And so you're going to note that this comports perfectly then with what we hear God say in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Listen to what this says. You shall not take, you shall not carry. That's that's what the word there means. Uh, you shall not carry the name of Yahweh your God in vain. You shall not take it to vanity. For the Lord, Yahweh, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what I find fascinating is that um, if you read the comments on my YouTube videos, especially uh, when I'm going after false prophets or doing prophecy bingo and things like this, one of the things that is a, is a continual stream in, the, in my comments are the people who show up who are charismatics and say, you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Who and and so or or they'll they'll say you you need to back off because you are dangerously close to blaspheme. There we go. 
You are dangerously close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit, they say, and and this is always the threat. And I, when I was a, when I was in the uh, Latter Rain movement, Barb and I, it, it was the same thing. You know, if anybody like opened up their Bible and questioned the prophetess that was over us, oh brother, you are you are getting dangerously close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. How, how dare you? In fact. Um, uh, you guys, uh, you ever heard of the guy by the name of William Branham? Branham, I uh, years ago, I, I reviewed a, a sermon of William Branham's. And William Branham in that sermon legitimately said that anybody that denies that he's a true prophet, that that person wouldn't even be saved. Okay, that, that's, the, that's the level of blasphemy we're talking about here. Yet, it's the opposite of what they're saying. It is the exact opposite. These false prophets, these people who claim that they're hearing from God, when clearly they are not, they are the ones who will not be in the council of God's people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Christ's words from uh, Matthew 7 come roaring in here and, and should cause... Uh, you know, cause them some pause and 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 sober them up, but they, it doesn't seem to do that. Uh, again, Christ says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." And have any of you ever watched Dan Long's uh, YouTube channel, uh, the Long for Truth channel? That he is his research on the history of Pentecostalism and the hucksters, the comp- the continual parade of hucksters that have come through that movement and still continue to come through that movement. I'll give you an example. Um, so. Um, Uh, there's a fellow by the name of Chris Reed and Chris Reed recently took over Morningstar ministry from Rick Joyner. Okay. He, he, he became the guy who inherited Morningstar ministry. Did you know that two years ago, Chris Reed uh, went on the Elijah, the Elijah streams, uh, you know, uh, program. And he claimed that God, that God gave him a vision that showed that the apostle John was still alive and living in a cave in Turkey. And that, and that he was going to reappear and help help the church to rightly understand the Book of Revelation. I, I just, and this is the guy who engages in cold reading. You know, um, I, I you know I, I I haven't looked on the internet, but uh, does the name uh, Luis mean anything to anybody? You know, does that you know, does that mean any? Uh, you know, Luis, I I I feel the Lord is telling me that there's somebody in your life named Bill. Bill, uh, you know, and you're you're supposed to go whoa, okay, same cold reading kind of nonsense, right? This guy is a complete huckster. He's the guy who's who's inherited Morningstar Ministries. And and the and then you think of like Benny Hinn, you think of Ken Copeland, you think of Kenneth Hagen. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on of all these people who are just corrupt to the core. Todd Bentley, uh, if you guys remember when Todd Bentley, I, you know, when I started the Fighting for the Faith podcast, the um, the Lakeland revival was in full swing at that time. And I actually reviewed one of Todd Bentley's sermons from that uh, from that so-called revival, and it turns out the guy was sleeping with his babysitter, uh, divorced his wife, uh, you know. <laughs> 
divorced his wife, married the babysitter, uh, he got removed from ministry, and then was Rick Joyner reestablished him in ministry. And then he went on and just spent a decade basically engaging in all kinds of rank sexual immorality. All of it came to a head. And the person spearheading the investigation against him was Michael Brown. And Michael Brown said that uh, in his final statement regarding Todd Bentley, said that uh, Todd Bentley should never be in ministry again, at least not without with, with not without you know somebody having authority over him. And then went on to say, but uh, we do not deny that he had a valid healing gift. Todd Bentley did not have a valid healing gift. This is the guy who claims that he cured a woman of cancer by kicking her in the stomach with his biker boot. Just crazy stuff. Um, and so you're going to note here, initially, you know, Christ's initial warning against the false prophets is, uh, beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No. Are figs from thistles? No. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And when you look at the charismatic and Pentecostal movements in the NAR and the latter reign, that is one bad tree that continues to bear horrifically awful, just rancid fruit. And they sit there and go, well, no, 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 that you're, you're, you're just being hypercritical, right? A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And then he goes on in that same breath and says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? This sounds like Come out and the Come Out in Jesus' Name movie. This sounds like the Domino Revival movie. This sounds like today's Deliverance Ministries. This sounds like Isaiah Saldivar's channel. This sounds like all the folks in the Charismatic movement. But I would note, though, this doesn't sound a lick like anybody in confessional Lutheranism. Okay, <laughs> it's it's not even close, right? Uh, on that day, many will say to me, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name?" And then I will declare to them, "I never knew you." Depart from you, workers of lawlessness. And you'll note, so Christ is in perfect accord with what I, with Ezekiel is saying, that um, that these people, these lying prophets, they will not be in the council of his people. They will not be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh, precisely because they have misled my people, saying peace when there is no peace and because when this when they when the people build a wall these prophets smear it with whitewash say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall there will be a deluge of rain and you o great hailstones will fall and a stormy wind break out and when the wall falls will it not be said to you where is the coating with which you smeared it Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger, and great hailstones and wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundations will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. So... You'll know this is a phrase that you're going to hear throughout the book of Ezekiel. 
especially when we get into when Ezekiel prophesies against the, the pagan nations, you're going to hear this same response. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. But note here, this is not a knowledge of Yahweh that is born from repentance or hearing his word. Uh, this is not a, this is not knowing of Yahweh that has to do with receiving from him mercy and forgiveness. It's a knowing of Yahweh when he points his laser beam of wrath straight at your face and pulls the trigger. Okay, then you will know I am Yahweh when I bring you to a cataclysmic end. And they'll go, oh, that's Yahweh. <laughs> you know, and it's that's this is not a knowledge that saves them. This is a knowledge that condemns them. So pay attention because we're going to see this a lot throughout the book of Ezekiel. Thus, I will spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with white, white, whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more and those who, those who smeared it, nor those who smeared it, the prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord Yahweh. And you're going to note, in order for God to get rid of the wingnut wackerdoodle prophets at the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, uh, he he had to legitimately send true, two true prophets who then completely contradicted the message that these wingnut wackerdoodle prophets were giving, and then the wackerdoodle prophets got egg on their face over and over and over again to the point where nobody listened to them or they f finally did what they were supposed to do and and executed them as, you know as as people who committed a capital crime by taking God's name in vain but by the time we get to Nehemiah and Ezra which we've already read those those uh, books these wingnut wackerdoodle prophets are gone okay but note what it took to get rid of them, which is why I'm looking at the current apostasy that we're in right now going, I don't, I don't foresee any, any way of getting rid of these people. I just, you know, and you know, I'll just continue to be a hypercritic, you know, because that, <laughs> that's what I get accused of. I, I'm not a critic. I'm a hypercritic. I, you know, I, I'm just a fundamentalist. I put the fun in fundamentalism, you know, but uh, this is what they claim. This is nonsense, right? And you, O son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. So here we've got prophetesses doing the same thing. I can't help but hear Kay Nash's, you know, voice here, right? <laughs> you know, Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord Yahweh, woe to the women who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make veils for their head, the heads of persons of every stature. In the hunt for souls, will you hunt down souls belonging to my people and keep your own souls alive? That's a great question. <laughs> You're, you're hunting down real souls, and do you think by doing so you're going to keep yourself alive? You have profaned me, God says, among my people for handfuls of barley, for pieces of bread, putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your, by your lying to my people who listen to lies. That's quite the description. <laughs> And so you're not, they're, they're prophesying for gain, for food, right? And they're putting to death souls who should not die. Um, <laughs> the faithful who actually believe the word of Yahweh in the Bible. And they're keeping alive those who reject the word of Yahweh. 
<laughs> the ones who like to listen to lies. Alas, all right. So therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, behold, I am against your magic bands with which you hunt the souls like birds, and I will tear them from your arms. I will let the souls whom you hunt go free, the, soul, the souls like birds. Your veils also I will tear off, and I will deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall no more be in your hand as prey. And so you're going to note here that the way God views the victims of false prophets Prophets, he views them as those who've been hunted down and were the prey of these people. Think, you know, think back to the term ravenous wolves, okay? And so what God does is he has mercy on those victims of these false prophets. And I would note that I'm, a, uh, I'm a, uh, an example of God's mercy in this way. When Barb and I were in the latter rain, um, we had a prophetess over us. And to say that we were under their control is an understatement. Um, this was practically a cult. They kept us busy six days a week at church. We were there from the time I got off work. We were there until 9, 10, 11 at night. And then I would go to work and just exhausted and do it all over again. The prophetess that we had over us, she prophesied that Barb and I would have five children. She also prophet, you know, she, I also was required to give her my paycheck every month. And she gave me a stipend from that for Barb and I to live on. That's the level of control that they had over us. Okay. But I really legitimately view Barb and I getting out of the latter rain as God's merciful hand as one, we were completely hunted down by these people and God set us free. Uh, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. But the thing is, is that you all have to understand, we willingly participated in our own deception. That's the, that's the hard part that goes along with this. And, and so, you know, it was when we were in the latter rain, we were introduced to deliverance ministries and the book pigs in the parlor and all that kind of nonsense. And um, I, the reason why I'm going so hard after today's deliverance ministry is because Barb and I have been there, done that. We have all the scars to prove it. And we know that what these people are doing is actually putting people in bondage rather than uh, delivering them. That's exactly what they're doing. And so God here is describing the victims of these false prophets as those who are souls that were captured like birds, but God says that he's going to set them free. And so I've seen God do this in my own life. And you shall know that I am Yahweh because you have dis, you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not, although I have not grieved him. And you have encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. That always you can always tell you're dealing with a false teacher or a false prophet when they're doing that, right? So you know Ken Copeland doesn't preach repentance. Ken Copeland doesn't tell people to turn from their sins. You know what Ken Copeland preaches? Give me a thousand dollar seed offering, and God's gonna is and God's gonna make you rich. Okay. So you're going to note here, he's basically telling the wicked that everything's going to be okay with them. Just send me some money and, and God will make everything great for you. No, no, the, 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 the message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins practically lost on this fellow, right? Therefore, you shall no more see false visions nor practice divination. I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am Yahweh. Okay. Continuing. 
so the, the idolatrous elders of Israel, remember those, uh, the, those 70 elders that God had Ezekiel see that they were in that inner room in the darkness and they were worshiping those images on the wall inside of, uh, inside of the temple. Okay. Those idolatrous elders now are going to, uh, they're, they're going to get a talking to by God here. So then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me and the word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. What a phrase. <laughs> what a phrase that is. Wow. Okay. Um, they have set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? <laughs> so you'll know idolatrous elders of Israel. These guys are secretly idolaters. They're engaging in secret um, worship of idols. But again, they can't hide any of that from God. So God knows exactly full well what they've been up to. And so, um, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their heart. They've set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore, you speak to them and you say to them, thus says the Lord Yahweh, any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, Yahweh, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols. You'll note the language of estrangement. So over and again throughout the scriptures, idolatry is likened to adultery. So when, you know, if you, we've all known couples like this, you know, a married couple whose marriage blows apart. One of them commits adultery and they're estranged. And the heart of that, of the, of the person committing adultery, whether it be the male or the female, it's, it's, they've lost all interest in their spouse and they're completely devoted to uh, the, their, their adulterous partner, right? Same picture being uh, portrayed here. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord Yahweh, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all of your abominations. Yeah. <laughs> Stop showing your face to your idol. Instead, show it to me, God is saying, right? For any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idol into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, Yahweh, will answer him myself, and I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And this, so no, note here, God is basically saying, I'm going to make an example of that fellow so that everyone will realize, ooh, we better turn away from our idols. Okay, so the, the one who steps forward and continues in idolatry and has their heart set on their idols, God's going to make an example of them to everyone else. And then you shall know that I am Yahweh, again, in, in, in his wrath. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, Yahweh, have deceived that prophet and I will stretch out my hand against him and I will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear their punishment, the punishment of the prophet and the, pro and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike. 
and that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, declares the Lord Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, then they would deliver they would be deliver, but not but their own lives, but by their righteousness, declares the Lord Yahweh. Interesting note here. Note who's in the list here, Daniel. Daniel's alive at this time. And so God is comparing Noah to Daniel and Daniel to Job and, and vice versa. And the fact that his name shows up is a big deal because Daniel is currently in the palace at Nebuchadnezzar. It's just crazy, you know, what's going on here. So when, when, you, when you realize that Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are all living at the same time, that they are contemporaries of each other, it kind of opens up some new dimensions of understanding these texts that are so fascinating. But God is basically saying that when a, when a nation goes completely acts faithlessly, that uh, that that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, he would still punish that nation. But those men would they would survive by their righteousness, <laughs> so, but no one else would. So keep that in mind. So if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it and it be made desolate so that no one may pass through it because of the beast, even if these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They would, they alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. And here we see kind of the end of apostasy. And this is, this is going to require us to take a look at another text. Let me find it. Um, I want second Peter, I think, hang on a second here. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, here it is. So listen to this from second Peter. I'll, I'll put it in, in context. Verse chapter two, verse one, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald, and this is the, the Karuks here. It means he's a preacher. He's a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Um, so you're going to note here, we have a reference to Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. He was a herald of righteousness, calling the ancient world to repentance. And nobody listened to Noah except his family. Nobody. 
And so when apostasy gets past a certain point, um, you, you guys remember the movie um, uh, Back to the Future Three, right? They had to get a, they had to figure out how to get a train up to eighty-eight miles an hour, and they had to think fourth dimensionally because you know it was going to cross a bridge that wasn't completed back in the eighteen hundreds, but would have been completed in the twentieth century, and so. Uh, they had to get the train up to 88 miles an hour. And there was a, as they were accelerating the train, there was a sign that they had, that, that they had that noted that once they got to that point, it was the point of no return because there was no way to stop the train at that point without it careening over the cliff. And so, <laughs> you know, it, 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 apostasy has a particular point to which once it gets past the point of no return, then no preaching is going to turn anybody around. It's, 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 it's kind of like that. So Noah, a herald of righteousness who preached for 120 years, the only people who were saved were his own family because that's how, how deeply embedded the apostasy had become. And so this is what God is kind of referencing here in this portion talking about that um, that even if if Noah, if Daniel, if uh, if Job you know, were living at that time, they still they, the, those men would be the only ones that were saved. It's it's sobering, absolutely sobering what God is saying here. Um, so you know so that when a, when a, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, I stretch up my hand against it. So note this is the this is where when it reaches the reaches the point of no return is when God finally says, that's it. I'm going to act in judgment and I stretch out my hand against it and I break its supply. I all these kind of things at this point it's it's we're, we're past the point of no return. And although there will be righteous people alive at that point, it's only them who will survive. The rest God intends for judgment. And that's the sobering bit. So, and you're going to note God God is the one who destroys the food supply. God's the one who sends famine. God's the one who sends pestilence. Okay, so you know, remember when uh, when Ken Copeland got up and and he rebuked COVID nineteen while standing in the office of the prophet. Let me be blunt: God ultimately is the one who sent COVID nineteen on planet Earth, and he had no authority to undo what God was doing. That was a judgment of God against the unfaithfulness and unbelief of of, of humanity. You know. As we get, as the days grow darker and darker and darker, God sends things like this for the purpose of calling us to repentance. But at some point, when he's when he's God says enough is enough, that's it. There's no hope for for the unbelieving. They will not repent, and God won't allow them to repent. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it, okay, and it be made desolate, so that no one may pass through it because of the beasts, even if these three men. We're in it. I, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone that would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. If I bring a sword upon the land and say, let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast, though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. 
For thus says the Lord Yahweh, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beast, and pestilence, disease. God sent all of them. Have you ever heard like Bill Johnson, God nowhere ever sends disease. Uh, He does right here. You know, um, I, I think this counts as an example of that, right? To cut off from that man and beast, and behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem. For all that I have brought upon it, they will console you when you see their ways and, your, and their deeds. And you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord Yahweh. And that's the thing. When God finally acts in judgment, he never, ever acts without cause. He always acts with cause, and he's been brought to the point of provocation. They've provoked God over and over and over again, and God finally acts, and he does act in judge in judgment and in justice. So, all right. I hate to say this, but... I have to go. <laughs> so since I have a little bit of a longer drive ahead of me, um, I think we've we've gone almost an hour. And what I'm going to do is, Stephen Elliott, I'm going to make you the host. And if you all would like to stay on and have some fellowship time and chat together, you are welcome to do so. But um, I am going to uh, gather up my stuff and head out. So peace to you, brothers and sisters. Lord willing, we will see you next time.